But this psalm series has come with a little bit of a, like a secondary theme. And that secondary theme are the characteristics of God, but they've been very soft characteristics of God. If you've been here every week, you have probably noticed that the theme has been very gentle, and the theme has been very kind, and and very, very loving. And the series has been designed on some level to be encouraging and to leave the space feeling like God loves me, he knows me, and he is gentle with me. And this particular Sunday, we're continuing in that same theme with the topic of gentleness. And today's psalm doesn't necessarily feel like it should fit gentleness because it takes place during a major conflict and high amounts of impending stress for the man who's writing it, David. David is in a spot where he is uh, leading the most powerful nation in the region. And life has been going on as per expected for a leader of the most powerful nation in the region, but turmoil is coming. And David knows that both internally, there's mutiny being planned, and externally, there's war on the horizon. So both things are are coming at the same time as David is leading the nation. And, And he also knows his son is going to try to kill him. And life is about to get completely insane. And here we pick up with gentleness in Psalm 18, verse 16. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me forth into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. Psalm 18, verse 25. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With the blameless, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. With the crooked, you will show yourself crooked. For you will save the afflicted people, but will bring down prideful people. For you will cause my lamp to shine. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run through a troop, and by my God I can leap a wall. As for God, his way has integrity. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all those who take refuge in him. For who is God except the Lord? Or who is a rock besides our God? It is God who clothes me with strength and gives my way integrity. He makes my feet like the feet of deer and causes me to stand on high places. He strains my hands for war so that my arms bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand has held me up and your gentleness has made me great. You have lengthened my stride under me so that my feet did not slip. There are so many characteristics of God in this one psalm. So many. There's refuge, there's support, there's steadiness, there's strength, there's integrity, there's mercifulness, blameless, pure. There are so many words. If you just go back to this one passage, you could probably pick out 15 different characteristics of God. But today we're just going to focus on that one, gentleness. And this is a particularly interesting psalm to emphasize gentleness out of. The psalm is mostly about turmoil of war. 
and a nation that is under duress and, and sort of this awful, horrible situation and one man who's feeling the pressure of all of this. But the culmination of this entire psalm about this state of stress and intensity and turmoil in the middle of battle is not the power of God, the force of God, the rock of God to hide behind, or the intensity of David's strength because God was with him during battle, or the shield that God provides against somebody else's bow being fired. That's not how we're shot. I'm not sure what the word is. Anyways, um, in the middle of battle. And those are all things we would expect. It's a psalm that has to do with war and battle and intensity of leading a nation that's got inner turmoil and external turmoil. And there's this space where all of this is going on. And, and the culmination of this entire psalm is not any of the things that we would expect. It's gentleness. It's the gentleness of God that gave David what he needed to fight in battle and to win. When this psalm could have emphasized and ended in all of the other things, it ended in the gentleness is what made David great. But before we break down what gentleness is, let's clarify what it's not. Because there's a lot of misconceptions about gentleness in our world today. So let's clarify what it's not. And because gentle is a characteristic of God, and specifically in this psalm it says your gentleness, God's gentleness. And so we know because of who God is what gentleness is not. So gentleness is not a form of weakness because God is not weak. Gentleness is not the same as being quiet because God is not always quiet. Gentleness is not the same as being a pushover. That's a common one used today. Because God is not a pushover. And gentleness is not a personality trait. This is another easy misconception because we know people who by personality we view as gentle people. So then, by default of our own personality, we go, well, I'm not a gentle person. Or maybe you are the gentle person and it's flipped. And so we tend to assign gentleness as a personality trait, which then means it's either already ours or it's not accessible to us because it's not our personality trait. And we view personality traits as these things that we inherit, that we have, that we just don't gain, build, or exchange for something else because our personality is kind of like who we are and, and what makes us up. And, and we don't go about trying to change our personality sometimes, um, most of the time. And if we do, it doesn't usually work because our personality is kind of just like who we are and how we function. And when we assign gentleness to a personality trait, it either gives us a space where we can say, I'm already gentle, so I don't need to think about or consider if my own behavior uh, displays this characteristic of God, or it does the opposite in which we say, I'm not a gentle person, and I will never be a gentle person, because that's just not who I am. And 
The concept of gentleness being a characteristic of God is really important because it means that we are neither off the hook for assuming that we already possess the entire characteristic of gentleness or uh, off the hook because our personality will never be gentle. That's just saying my personality trait is rude. So we're not going to do that. We are going to continue in the series of Psalms talking about gentleness here this morning in how it relates to each of us regardless of whatever our characteristic desires might be within our own selves. So what is gentleness? Well, for starters, gentleness is a form of strength. If it's brought up in the context of battle, inner turmoil, external turmoil, it's brought up in intense fighting situations, then we have to assume from that that gentleness is a form of strength says, you have given me your shield of your salvation, and your right hand has held me up. But, and, your gentleness has made me great. We are not conditioned to view gentleness as a precursor to greatness. We are not conditioned to think that way. We are not conditioned to function that way. We are not conditioned to treat people that way. And we are, in fact, conditioned to do the opposite. The opposite of gentleness is what we are regularly, daily, in and out, by the world around us, being conditioned to do. We are conditioned to believe that toughening up is really valuable and important. And being treated in a tough manner is what conditions us to be able to handle hard things. This is especially true with today's kids. But Jesus has never used the phrase man up. Not in the Bible, anywhere. And he has never told kids, if I don't prepare you for the harshness of the world, then who will? Harsh characteristics are so praised in our world in ways that we do not even think about and have become sort of subtle in our space. Treating people kindly is not taught to us in like how we're supposed to get ahead. Helping others along the way is no way to win a campaign. Putting people down and parading power over other people is commonplace. And today, when someone publicly messes up, people wait for others to comment, they begin to comment themselves, and they begin to pile insults on the person who's messed up. To take them down further, or to address why they think they messed up. And when someone messes up, especially in the age of social media, it's like a competition to see who can get there fast enough to completely destroy them. How fast can we get to the comments so they know that they messed up? There's a really practical example of this. And uh, it's been talked about a little bit on social media, so this might not be the first time you've heard this example, but if you need to learn how to do a new skill, so let's take changing a tire, for example, and you go on Facebook, let's say, and you post and say, I need to know how to change a tire. Can anybody help me know how to change a tire? 
most people just slide right by it. They don't have time to tell you. They don't know why you don't know already. Like, whatever. Uh, they're busy. And, and maybe one or two people would go, okay, like, uh, here's, some, here's some steps. But you have very little interaction on that post. Now, if I were to go onto Facebook and post the first step to changing a tire is to unscrew a bolt. Everybody would be in the comments. Everybody to say, that is not the first step. The first step is, in fact, this. And then the next step is this. And the step that you listed is actually step five. Because they want to tell you when you messed up. And they want to tell you that you look stupid. And they want to make sure that you know that for sure you're wrong and that they're right. Now, they wouldn't be there if you asked nicely. But as soon as you mess up, everybody's there. Conveniently, you might learn how to change a tire in the process. You'll also have very low self-esteem by the time you're done. Because cancel culture, at its core, is a lack of gentleness. It's the heaping on of harshness in the face of a mistake or a misstep. And to function with gentleness in the middle of a great battle, an intense battle, requires significant strength. So gentleness is not weakness, it's a form of strength. And to experience gentleness expands our capacity for handling hard things. This is counterintuitive. We are taught that to experience harshness is what will build us up to increase our capacity for handling hard things. And that to encounter tough situations and to be treated in a tough manner will get us to a space where then we can handle the tough things. And if we don't encounter the tough things and, and experience the toughness, then maybe we won't be able to handle the tough things. But that's not a Jesus concept. So it's counterintuitive for us to sit in a space where we can say that to experience gentleness, both the gentleness of God and the gentleness of those around us, our parents, our siblings, our friends, our family members, to experience gentleness expands our capacity for handling hard things. That is the opposite of what we are told to think. Gentleness is not weakness, it's a form of strength. A strength that comes without violence or harshness. And the fact that gentleness is the example used in the middle of an intense battle where there's war both internally and externally tells you that this is even more true. <clears throat> so the second thing is that gentleness precedes restoration. The Bible speaks a lot to how we handle disagreements with other people in particular, and especially when mistakes are made. Galatians 6.1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. And in order to be gentle, then we have to be humble. 
Because if we are not humble, then we cannot look at someone who's messed up in a gentle way. We have a tendency to look at people who have messed up and think, oh man, I'm glad that's not me. Or we think, oh man, I would never do that. Oh wow, that seems like a reoccurring problem for them. We have a tendency to assert superiority, even if it's just inside of our own minds. We may not be saying that to their face, but probably our face shows it, and they see it. We have a tendency to assert a superiority around mistakes. And when someone messes up, we tend to be the opposite of gentle. And we see this sort of way that people treat people who mess up all over in Scripture. And all of the stories uh, throughout the gospel somewhere have some air of lack of humility and lack of gentleness. And then comes Jesus. And it's much like today, but there's this story where it's particularly clear. And it's the story of the the men that were caught in hypocrisy in John where the woman was uh, an adulterer and she came because all of these people were bringing her to Jesus. And it's the story where they say, Jesus, we need to make sure this woman is killed because this woman has messed up and this woman has made a mistake. And, And Jesus, we just want you to know that we gotta take care of business here. Because she screwed up, and we're here to make sure that this never happens again. And they demand the permission from Jesus to kill a woman. And Jesus said, "Uh, that's not very gentle of you. And you don't get to because you are also making mistakes. Or let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw the stone. And after everyone left, Jesus said, go and sin no more. Because gentleness expands our capacity. And because gentleness precedes restoration. When was the last time that you can think of someone who has messed up in our stories? They've made a mistake. And they got to experience both the characteristic of gentleness in the form of Jesus' gentleness and full restoration. Typically in our world, there is neither. And at best, there might be one. Where there's some gentleness, but there's not restoration, or there's restoration, but the path to restoration has been harsh. When we sin, when we screw up, when we say, do, or make a mistake, whether it's a one-time situation, a, a pattern, or a, uh, a challenge that we face day in and day out, we typically leave community. Because the expectation and the experience of how people handle us at our worst is not typically gentle. And the question is, when someone relapses, when someone does or says something, 
that we consider a mistake or a misstep or a sin? Is the response the gentleness of Jesus that leads to restoration, or is it harshness and then hope for restoration, or is it neither? And maybe we just don't look at them the next time they walk through the door. The third thing we learn about gentleness is that we should be known by our gentleness. Philippians 4, 5 says, Let everyone come to know your gentleness. The Lord is at hand. Now, I like to do a fun little exercise for my own self with this, which is where I put in the words that I think should go there. And instead of gentleness, I fill it with the things that I know that I want people to know me by. So whatever it is for you, if you read that scripture, it could say something like, let everyone come to know your theology. Let everyone come to know your dreams. Let everyone come to know your personality. I don't know what it is, but put your thing in there and say, this is what I want to be known by. How does it stack up to gentleness? Because this is what what Jesus said. Let everyone come to know your gentleness. The Lord is at hand. There's a few other things that scripture tells us about gentleness. Ephesians 4, 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. Colossians 3.12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There is no shortage of gentleness as a theme throughout Scripture. And in each place that it's brought up, it's in reference to how God views me and you and how we are to view others and how we are to treat them. Because gentleness won't mitigate, it won't get rid of the pain of our situation, but it will increase our capacity to handle it. And the same goes for those we are in relationship with. Harshness does not strengthen, it breaks down. Gentleness isn't weak, it's strengthening So as we close and we prepare for communion this morning, we want to just ask the question of ourselves as we go throughout our week. Do I believe that I have to help toughen people up? Do I think that I am known by my gentleness? If not, what am I known by? What am I trying to be known by? Is it my opinions? Is it my specific brand of theology? What am I trying to be known by? 